Hey, Tom. So, I, th- I think the last time we spoke, we talked about transfers as well. And it's not really the, the, the kind of MO of this podcast to talk about transfers all the time. But there hasn't really been a week quite like it at Manchester United. We haven't actually signed anyone. But it's the who we could have signed that is absolutely stunning. Yeah, I'm not one for transfers, really. I don't get that excited by them. I don't speak about them that often on Twitter or or even to people. I kind of wait for something to, to just be announced. But this week, it's just impossible to do that because it's just been as mad a week as I've ever known at United. It's just every day is just throwing up new craziness. Like, as soon as that Brighton game happened... Like, well, even before that, to be fair, I think the Arnautovic rumours were actually before the Brighton game. Like, it's just been mad. Like, panic. Like, you think of panic buying as like a term. But like in this term, it's like when you think of panic, everyone at United, all you can imagine in the transfer committee is just people like screaming. And like in that, like an airplane where like every they're told like, oh, is there a pilot on board? And then they're all just going absolutely manic, like running out the windows and stuff. That's how I imagine the, the transfer committee looks at United. People are just jumping out the window, like going mad. Just waiting for Ten Hag to set himself on fire, right? It's... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or or is, is Ten Hag the blow-up dummy in the pilot seat? It, it, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it's just bonkers. Like, I guess we were led to believe, or we wanted to believe, and it might be the latter, that the new structure of Richard Arnold delegating power to the football part of the business, led by John Murta, with a Andy O'Brien as his deputy, a new scouting and recruitment and analytics department, and the new manager would lead to some kind of professional process in acquisitions, sales, and squad management. And that's what we all want. It's, it doesn't feel like rocket science, but... Like any notion that that is happening at United has just been destroyed by this past <laughs> week, yeah. and and the absolute shenanigans. So I guess it was, it was yeah, just before the Brighton game that news started to break of the Arnautovic bid, mm-hmm. and then maybe just after that we all started to hear stories about Adrian Rabiot. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can dig into that. And we touched briefly on the last pod with, with Dan about Arnautovic but obviously it got a lot more detailed after that it's just stunning just stunning and like one just a player on his own like are we led to believe a 33 year old who spent the last three years in China and last season at Bologna is the answer to all United's problems <laughs> <laughs> or any problems that's that one and then there's obviously the very predictable and very correct reaction from people that hang on a minute this guy is just a bit more than problematic (laughs) Mm. and 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 then it seemed to be dropped within 24 hours based on are we led to believe fan-led reaction just mental all of it it is crazy i remember we had a chat in maybe june or july when we were pursuing de jong i think it was in the first two or three weeks when we were rumored to be right. to be getting him and we had a discussion about actually i kind of like what united are doing here we're being a little bit pragmatic we're not taking barcelona want this and we're not just going we're going to buy overpay for for a for a talent that we want it felt a little bit methodical to a certain degree for like two weeks i think the transfer like 
committee seemed like they were maybe turning a corner. And then the whole summer, it's just descended and descended, like the trans- transfer-wise has just descended and descended. The De Jong thing is still ongoing incredibly. And this week, yeah, it's just culminated in Marco Arnautovic. How the hell did they get to that name? It's incredible. And Adrian Rabiot, who... who it's what like the, the guy is just it's, it's incredible I, I find myself speechless because of for united surely one of the, the main things that we need from this time under 10 hag is to to rid all the bad eggs of yeah. from the dressing room and we we've i'm not saying that all these guys were really bad eggs but like you think of pogba is a great person to leave because of yeah, it just didn't work out, and he was kind of taking a wage. It looked like we might be able to get Ronaldo out, and then you then you look at getting Arnautovic in with his his historical past xenophobia and racism, um, and also the fact not even like removing yourself from the racism and xenophobia, just how bad of an Apple he is in general, just on the pitch, yeah. he's almost like a Ronaldo light, this without anywhere near the same talent and then Rabio, whose mum apparently <laughs> walks into managers offices and demands that his son her son was is playing like like he's a 12 year old boy yeah well pretty right. much yeah the, i mean you're exactly right on Natovich. i mean he's he's said to be extremely arrogant and on and off the pitch and and like on the pitch okay fine off it we just don't need that toxicity. And then there's the moral question, which United as a club seem to have given up on anyway. They don't care. Ryan Giggs sitting in the director's box not all that long ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ronaldo on the pitch and, and Greenwood still on the website. So mm-hmm. like, United don't care about what these players have done, clearly. So so that obviously hasn't... like It's not like Ten Hag and United, if they've done any kind of background research, don't know about this, right? Just simple Googling will get well, them to the, it. So they just didn't care. Well, you say Googling, but like, I think the Arnautovic one, we we all remember from last summer. Yeah. Like, oh, it, yeah. It, that wasn't one that like slipped under the radar while he was at 20 or whatever. It was, in, it was on showcase in front of the whole world, basically labelling obscenities at North Macedonian fans and Albanian fans because obviously that was kind of what his rhetoric was about i think he denied it at the time but it's hard to deny and he got a one match ban for it yeah and i think he did it even did a hand signal like a serbian nationalistic hand signal at the time right like it's it's but this is another thing that kind of concerns me about this is that it's ten hogs this is ten hogs man so i mean i'm trying to give all the benefit of like especially after Saturday, I know I've not spoken on this podcast about it, but I, I I'm trying to give as much benefit of the doubt to Ten Hag as I can at the moment. But then when you see him, obviously reach out and go, I want this guy. No matter whether he's twentieth on the list, hundredth on the list, or fourth on the list, whatever he is, I'm just a little bit concerned from his point of view that he's gone after him just because of that background, really, which makes me question a little bit a few things. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully well, yeah, that- exactly. His morals are, mm. do do come into question, and his kind of leadership that he didn't think any of this would be a problem. And look, we've gone from from Solskjaer as the last permanent manager to Ten Hag, and Solskjaer had his own issues with yep. with defending players who had quite clearly been deeply morally mm. 
troubling. Right? And then the club as a whole obviously brought back Ronaldo. Strongly denied any allegations, never been proven, etc. and so on. But like hard not to read the, the affidavits and think there's something wrong there. So like causing to question a lot of things around the club. And then just as a player, I mean, the last time like, we, we kind of led to believe that this is Ten Hag's man because he's worked with him before. It's 12 years ago. Mm. Almost an entire career ago that he worked with this guy. I, yeah. I, I just thought I'm absolutely stunning. I mean, I thought Odi Nagalo was the last time, and that was a, like a short-term thing, right? Because <laughs> we were desperately yeah. short. And now now this is a new start. We're supposed to have a, a strategy in place, and we're desperately seeking in the last two weeks of the window some old dude, dude who hasn't cut it in years. It just, like, he, no way was he on any list provided by the transfer department, the analytics department, when Ten Hag came into the job and take hog ten hog was appointed in april honestly if he was on the list of any premier league club i'd be surprised you'd be stunned yeah you except would. in the relegation zone somewhere maybe but maybe not because like you think of like fulham have got mitrovic like forest have gone out and actually signed like a 24 year old striker from the bundesliga for more money than that like you think I would, I, Bournemouth, I'm probably not going to even spend that. I bet he's, I bet he wasn't on anyone's list. Who's yeah. paying 12 million for a 33 year old Marco Anatovic who scored what he scored 21 goals in 140 games or something at Stoke? Maybe maybe it was a bit of a better ratio or something. And then he went. Did he go to West Ham for a bit? He was at West Ham. Yeah, did okay. It, well, say okay. Well, yeah, and a, and a, a West Ham team that are nowhere near as good as they are now. It it's mad. Like it's crazy. It's, it can't be over. Well, it can't be overestimated. Like how crazy that is. It it is. Maybe maybe there's a spot of forest now that the the deal for Jizz Hornkamp has broken down. Yeah, potentially. I'm very 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 sad about that. Very sad. <laughs> solid solid pro. Anyway, yeah, just bonkers on Arnautovic, and I'm glad it's collapsed. Obviously, from a footballing point of view and just a club morals point of view, but the questions remain. Rabio, I mean, like. Maybe I'm being hyperbolic, but I just found him to be aggressively average over his career. I mean, what does he do? He's he's not a passer. He's not particularly good with his passing. I think as soon as he joins, we'll, we'll find out that he's, we'll see that he's quite wasteful with the ball. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do anything from an attacking point of view. No assists, no chances created, nothing in the HG chain. He He doesn't progress the ball at all. I mean, he's in the bottom 10 percentile so there are 90 percent of players of midfielders are better progressive passers than adrian rabio so he's going to add nothing from attacking sense from defensive sense it's all meh pressures mm. yeah he runs around a bit you know and he was actually quite good i as i recall when psg beat united at old trafford last time out but he runs around a lot and then doesn't do much with the ball is my sense of him so that's him the footballer no one at PSG was particularly upset when he went. They'd had enough of him and the entourage, well, his mum. And no <laughs> one at, uh, at Juventus is going to be upset too. They're desperate to get rid of him. And I, don't, I, I imagine that they cannot believe their luck that they found someone who will actually pay them to take him off their hands because he's a, he's, he's a millstone stone around their necks because of the, the huge wages. And he'll, he'll, because of the tax situation in Italy and the special dispensation, they get on 50% of their tax. He'll be on massive wages at United. Massive. Plus, I presume uh, his mum is demanding a huge fee as well. Well, I read I read rumours 
that when he first when he was first linked to United that it, the Juventus were trying to be shipping him for a while just on a free because they because they just wanted him out of the club and then United come along and with a huge offer. I, I I'm with you. I don't really know what Rabiot offers that McFred offer. I mean that sounds really I really. Depressing. I mean, Juve. I mean they're not the same Pogba and Rabiot. Obviously, Juve signed Pogba. As partly a replacement, at least in squad terms, some are probably more a replacement for Aaron Ramsey. That's sort of more attacking side of the midfield bits. But they're about to sign Leandro Paredes from PSG, who's a better player. Oh my god! I mean, Why can't we just sign him? Yeah, it's just a much better player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, I just thought, what's going on? Eight hundred well, analysts, and this is what we think is well, the answer. Juve are also it's trying madness. to ship out Arta, aren't they? Yeah, would yeah. Arta not be a better solution? I mean, He's kind of stalled a little bit at Juve, but when he was first at Barcelona, he was he was like the answer at what people were talking about. I, w- I wonder whether there's some uh, legal shenanigans going on around that one as well, because remember they swapped him for Pjanic, and they were both valued at four hundred million pounds or something mm. for convenient FFP purposes. But yeah. <laughs> I, I find it, I, can't, I, I can't work out the strategy in all of this. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense to me. I, I know. I know you see the argument. Well, he's better than McFred. And may, maybe he is. Maybe. Maybe. But it's not much of a bar. And I kind of think, given United can still play top, pay top wages, um, even if uh, even if we're not in the Champions League, but it'll be a promise of basically basically a twenty five percent jump if you get into the prim, prim, uh, Champions League. Uh, and and I know United aren't what they were from in terms of attractiveness, not being in Champions League, not really doing very well over the last ten years, and so on. But can still pay lots of money. So, like, I know I'm being simplistic, but isn't the answer? You've got all these analysts. You work out what you need. You work down your list from the top one, and maybe you can't get him all the way down, right? And if yeah. Rabiot's in anywhere in the top twenty-five midfielders, United could or should get. For either of those attacking and or defensive type of roles, I'd, I'd be absolutely shocked. I'd, I'd, just, I'd love to be a fly on the wall. I wish they were filming the all or nothing Manchester United oh transfer God. committee. Because <laughs> it'd just be absolutely stunning and be chaos. I, I, I remember on, on Football Manager when I was young, I used to just, when I used to do a transfer search, I used to just click on what the player was rate, what was. The, the highest rate transfer valuation of, 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 of a player. And how I, if so, if I was Man United on that game, I would basically just try and sign the highest value player on that, on that list. And I wonder if like, this is kind of what they're doing with Rabiot. Like instead of actually looking at players that maybe for a bit of a cheaper price, like might be worth getting or even on a, a free. Maybe they've just looked. Oh, this guy's valued high because of his time at PSG and he's at Juventus Football Club. Or they they're a big team, so he must be quite good. Like, what are they thinking? Like, it makes like. And they, I looked. At, I saw a stat the other day that said he had a worse pass completion rate rating than Scott McTominay last season. Yeah, yeah. But it's about right. Like, yeah, it's, it's in the it's in the low to mid eighties. Yeah. And all I thought Rabiot was good at was passing the ball. I thought he was quite clean. But clearly, no, not. And, he does and nothing. The... He does nothing except for cause problems. And, and like, if uh, maybe he's a small upgrade on McFred, but then I mean, at least the the one thing that McFred do have is that they have passion and they have like a, a, the right attitude. Like, unfortunately, they're let they're let down by their technical and and tactical and 
uh, ability, but they have that going for them. Whereas this guy coming in doesn't really have that, like, and also has huge mentality problems as well, and and has a mom yeah. who's an absolute nightmare by the sounds of it. He's 55th percentile amongst all midfielders in the top five Euro leagues for pass completion rate. So it's a very definition of average mm-hmm. for pass completion. 14th percentile for progressive passes. 14th, right? He's amongst <laughs> the worst uh, possible for midfielders. On So he cannot pass the ball sideways, which is what he does. And, and I know I'm simplifying, but that's basically what my eyes tell me and it's what the data tells me mm. as well. I, I think it's madness. Now, I mean, like rumours, and this is, it seems like much less concrete, rumours tell us that Sergei Milinkovic-Savic is on United's radar. They've told us that every year for about the last 10 years, as far as I can tell. He, he is much, much more attacking than Rabiot. Up there with the assists and and expected assists and shot creating actions and and all of that. So I I don't know whether it's a, it's not like for like right. It's it's that United need a an attacking eight. Otherwise Ericsson's going to be playing that all season basically. Sure, but like I, I don't feel like Milinkovic Savic is. I don't feel like that position is is the one that's needed more than anything. No. So like no no. So um, when when I saw that rumor pop up, I'm like, yeah, great player. We get linked to him every year, so I'm sure this is probably not true anyway. It might be. Hopefully, it is. But then also, if you're thinking, oh, we're going to sign Milinkovic Savic and he's going to be the answer in midfield, no, because again, he's not. He's not the the player that we we desperately need. Like right now, like he, he will be an upgrade. He's a fantastic player, but like. I just, I just think to that defensive midfield, like that has got to be sorted out. You, you bring in Rabiot and Milinkovic Savic, and probably the Glazers being like, "Yeah, you've done. You've got two midfielders now." Like, y- yeah, yeah be but, very powder puff. And and yeah, the midfield's going to be still a problem, and then and then the defense is going to still be a problem because they don't have any protection. <laughs> like, I yeah, mean, yeah. It's, it's fine. Like, and and I feel that. Again, just not the right signing, but he's a good player. It will upgrade us, but... Mm. I, I, I don't know if I ever believe that one. I mean, it's certainly a lot less concrete. I think yeah. it's more speculation. It often seems to be pushed by his agent. I mean, he's, he's 27 now, so he's looking for a, a big move, isn't he? So, Captain uh, because, of Lazio, I think, uh, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And obviously did young that saga because it's a saga now and we always have to have one saga it <laughs> keeps running I, I don't know what percentage you'd put this at i mean it seems very low likelihood that it's so, actually yeah. going to happen now i mean barcelona cle- let's be honest barcelona are clearly trying to push him out earlier this week it was they floated the idea that the contract extension where he deferred wages was criminal and that there's some kind of nefarious activity happening with that. They're clearly trying to get out of having to pay the 20 million euros or so he's owed in deferred wages, plus his his actual annual wage goes up this year. So it's more than 20 million euros, his annual wage this year. I mean, he's very, 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 very well compensated, mm-hmm. and they're desperate to get rid of him. And United came, came along, and whatever you say about the player, and I do think he's a very good player, mm-hmm. I don't think he's shown it last season particularly at Barcelona but but United came along and gave them exactly what they wanted 80 million euros they make a small profit on their initial investment and they'll take the wage off the hands and and it just appears to be not knowing any 
any actual details beyond what's reported publicly that it's both that deferred wages payment and perhaps probably de Jong's reluctance to join United given the current state of the club and honestly if he looked at I mean well two things if he looked at United versus (laughs) Brighton he'd gone yeah I'm clearly going to be an upgrade in that midfield (laughs) I'm sure he'd back himself to upgrade United but he might have also thought this is a shambles yeah I, I, I think I think we win the game if De Jong plays against Brighton. I think he's that yeah. good. Like you think of the, some of the positions that McTominay picked up and, or doesn't pick up and doesn't and doesn't pick up. Like De Jong's tidiness and and intelligence and vision, like in that final third. And, and, and he's not always going to be in the final third because he, he, he's, he's excellent deeper as well. But like he, he's going to be such an upgrade that yeah, I think I think we win that game with, with against Brighton. Like. We weren't we weren't great at the weekend, but he is so good that he could really upgrade us and take us to a to a higher level, despite the inadequacies elsewhere. I would, I mean, if I was United, I'd just literally go all out. And and I know we're maybe making a run for our own back later on, but like I think he's so key. And Ten Hag obviously believes that he's so key to to United actually coming on and developing under him that I'd just go all out and spend what it, whatever it takes to get him. And, and also show to, to the player, Jesse Lingard spoke about this when he went to Forest, that he is really, really wanted and, and he's going to be loved at United. If if United go all out and, and give him what he, exactly what he, well, above what he wants and needs, it, it's like, okay, th- these guys these guys really want me. They really need me. They, they probably knows that already. But yeah, flat, flat, like basically give him like... Whatever present he, he he craves, but if if that is not going to happen, what a colossal waste of time! And the fact that there's yeah. until the past week or so, it doesn't even look like we've really been going for any other centre mids. And like there was talk, uh, I saw talk after the Brighton game that or oh, maybe maybe we can put. I think Jonathan Wilson was talking about it. Leandro Martinez, why didn't he play a defensive centre mid at the weekend? I mean, if we bought him for that reason, then why? Like, yeah, well, I, I, why did we just buy it, a defensive mid? Uh, well, exactly. The fifty billion spunked there was clearly because Ten Hag wants a left-footed centre back. I, th- I think the notion that he's going to play in midfield—he's played there like twenty times in one hundred and seventy odd games for Ajax. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I think we dismissed that one. De, De Jong's there because he's the kind of controlling player that can link the back four and, and the attack, and that's what mm-hmm. Ten Hag wants from him. He's, he's not, you know, he's not a guy who's going to create loads of pressures or put in thunderous tackles or anything like that. He gets the ball, he drives forward with it. Uh, there are a couple of great moments when Barcelona played Pumas in a in a friendly. Uh, this week, driving like fifty yards upfield, scored a goal late on as well. But clearly. The club are desperate to get him out. Desperate. And uh, and uh, like maybe as the clock ticks down towards the end of the window, resolution will be solved. But if United had... I mean, basically, it's money, right? This mm-hmm. is this is all about money. And maybe the player. But if United had sold the money bit, it would have been clear whether the player was going to come or not. And I, I don't think the bidding's going to get any bigger now unless it's Chelsea and Chelsea are prepared to pay those deferred wages as well which would take the fee to over 100 million mm. which i mean if you're prepared to pay that then i guess okay that's a huge amount of money it'll be but well, there's two potentially really embarrassing things that could happen from this S- say we we actually did end up signing him 
and he ended up being terrible and we pay over 100 million. Imagine how embarrassing that could be. And then also... Well, it's just one of many we've done that with. Well, this so. is true. Just, yeah. Join the club. Typically embarrassing from United. Or he could go to Chelsea and then be absolutely amazing. And I think the third thing will probably happen that we don't end up getting him, which is also pretty embarrassing. But yeah, however this way goes, unless he actually turns out to be really good for us, which I think he actually will be if we did sign him. This, this whole saga has played out, again, terribly. And then there's also Frank Kessie that, like, at Barcelona, who apparently they can't register at the moment. Like, yep. could we try and sneak in and get him, please? Because he'd be awesome. <laughs> well, they come on a free this summer, so I think he's probably decided where he wants to play <laughs> this season. But yeah, I mean, he was very good at Milan, and you'd imagine United could have outbid. But Barcelona still had this draw. Yeah. They just say. They have this kind of thing that players want to go there or apparently. And I can't imagine that any of the many, many signings they've made this summer on low wages, but they can't be offering previous levels of Barcelona wages since they're trying to get their squad to take pay cuts mm. still. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, they can't register these players because they, I mean, this is great. I love this story. <laughs> they, uh, of, they sold their rights for uh, Barcelona TV rights. So they've sold two blocks of it, 10% and 15% to a private equity firm, which they created a joint venture with. And for 667 million euros for 25 years of 25% of Barcelona's La Liga TV rights, not Champions League. And it turns out Barcelona put 150 million euros of their own cash into that joint venture and then claimed it back as income, which like La Liga have gone, uh, hang on, fellas, you want to hide this a bit better? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's legal otherwise, like, or maybe we'll find out Spanish tax authorities might be looking into this. But, but as, a, as a notion that you could claim that as income, in order to get past your FFP. Not even Manchester City would have tried that. <laughs> At least they hide it. At least they hide it in a third-party company. It's childish levels of, of dodgy accounting. I, I don't know who is more of a basket case at the moment, like Barcelona or United. Like, we're equally embarrassing. Like, they're, 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 they are able to sign players. They can't register them. That's the thing. that <laughs> They are signing players. They're almost doing like the opposite of us. Like, they're, they're signing loads of players even though they shouldn't be, whereas we're not signing anyone when we really, really should be, or we're trying to sign Marco and yes. Alcevic. Yes, it's bizarre. Well, the other rumour that started today was Cody Gakpo. Again, one of these ones that if United were really interested, could have done months ago. Yeah. Like, like, buying players from the Dutch League, you can do it. There'll be a fee that will be negotiated, but it's going to be reasonable. I mean, I, I have to say, I'm not an expert in this guy. I always thought he played off the left wing but I could be wrong there I thought he was more outside to inside type forward than a pure centre forward so it doesn't feel like it fits a pattern but again I think I've only ever seen him for the Dutch national team and he's not played for many times there but anyway who knows whether that one will happen I guess we're going back to the the transfer committee because they've done deep deep scouting on everything Dutch and that has touched the Netherlands and the area division somewhere and it's absolutely nothing to do with Ten Hag going you lot are rubbish I'm just <laughs> going to go with who I know that's it they, yeah, they've scoured all, all the leagues in the world they've gone to Belize the Bahamas obviously Brazil and, 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 and etc and then they've just just found the area division gone wow this is just there's so much talent here and yeah and it's, it's just another one that's cropped up obviously 
So yeah, you got it. You got to give it to them. They're earning their wage. They certainly are not. I mean, anyway, who who knows? Like, who knows? Well, he'll actually turn up in the next two weeks. Like, the scary thing is, we've seen this film and we know how it ends. And how it ends is United doing a trolley dash in the last few days of the window and just getting anyone in on bloated contracts, lengthy contracts, and not being able to get rid of them later. Yeah. Where is Odia Nagalo at the moment? Is he is he available? Can we get him back? I think he's in, <laughs> I think he's in the Middle East somewhere, isn't he? Oh, nice. <laughs> I only know this because I followed him on Instagram when he joined United, and I, I never unfollowed him. <laughs> so he, he posts pictures of himself on boats and stuff like that fairly often. Nice. I think Hernandez was, was talking about United this week. Maybe he's one we can get Chicharito, back in. Chicharito, yeah. yeah. Still scoring goals. He... I think, did he score in the MLS? The MLS All-Stars game was yeah, he against played, Liga he, yeah. MX. Yeah, he played in that one. I can't remember if he scored mm-hmm. or not. But yeah, it's still at LA Galaxy, yeah, knocking them in. So, yeah, why not? <laughs> I suppose. He's got United yeah, DNA, so there we go. He's got United DNA. We know that's very important yeah, yeah, yeah. for the marketing department. Oh, we, so. we haven't talked about... We've signed Tom Holliston as well, to be fair. So he could... Uh, he could solve the coaching, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and player coach, I yeah. Think, so. Play, co- well, I think, yeah, he's Only taking over from Paul McShane's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Paul McShane, who did that for a season or so, sort of, yes, would, mentoring the under twenty threes and doing a bit of coaching. Would he be an upgrade on McFred? Probably not. I mean, <laughs> but you never he was know. a fine passer in his oh, time, oh, wasn't he? Was he? A, well, not he, much of a mover, but. <laughs> not much of a mover. Beautiful on the ball. He could, he could actually tell a lot teach a lot to our, our centre midfielders like he was yeah About so the ball. Yeah, yeah beautiful yeah so yeah he joined and and Benny McCarthy joined as well to be a sort of forwards coach Ten Hag said it's not just about you know, coaching the forwards how do you coach Ronaldo how to score and coach him to turn up for training I suppose nice. yeah start the basics but he said it's all about the whole team so I mean I guess and that's fine right Benny McCarthy's oversized personality loves United He's been a manager, means you have to have a lot of experience in the coaching department. And and if he's there to give help build that distinctive pattern of attacking play, then great. United have been missing that for some time. So I have nothing negative to say about that coaching appointment. Seems like he'll he's kind of infectious and, and really wants to get to work. So fine if Ten Hag's building out his coaching department. He's really going to need it, though, if he's given an absolute shower in the transfer market isn't he yeah i mean i mean that is the one thing that united have not had for for a long time is a coach who's been able to really develop and improve players like you look at look at especially like pep and klopp and how much they improve the the, the personnel that they do have I'm, i mean that's one of the things that i've been excited or i am excited about potentially with with ten hag because under Oli, under Mourinho, under Van Gaal, under Moyes, like it's almost, it feels like almost every player under each manager regressed. They came in at a certain level and they regressed. And I'm hoping that finally we might have a manager who actually, on the coaching field, actually might improve players. And that's why I think that, like, I look, I kind of look at the squad right now, and and I, and it feels it feels very very doom and gloom. You think everything about United, especially after Saturday, Sunday, feels feel very very doom and gloom. But I think try and think of it rationally. I think if we bring in two or three players, and Ten Hag can work his wonders on the coaching, uh, on the on the training pitch, then I think we actually 
and 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 these players who who we know have loads of ability like Rashford and Martial and Green Green what Jesus McTominay Fred like they're players who have been regressing for the whole time if he could improve those players and take them to another level and they get two or three more quality mm-hmm. signings then this team actually can compete the problem is that like we've the, the our history of of being united is that we're not used to that and we're not used to having like a, a manager like Pep and Klopp who, who has come in and, and, and actually improved players. We've just, we've kind of just got players and then we see them for a bit and then they get worse because I don't know, for multiple, multiple of reasons. Yeah. Well, we, we suck all their confidence and talent out. Literally. Yeah. If they had, if they had talent in the first mm. place, I mean, the thing that worries me about all of this and, and, there's, there's a very far, fair argument to be made that the club needs to back the manager, get the, get the players he wants, and we'll be able to move forward from there. You know, and I think that's totally fine. But if Ten Hag doesn't work out, United will be left with another Frankenstein squad of players cobbled together from different managers with different philosophies. Because there's no pattern. <clears throat> Moyes, Van Gaal, Mourinho, Solskjaer, Ragnick... Ten Hag, no pattern at all there. I mean, you could say Rangnick and Ten Hag want the team to press, but that's really the annual <laughs> relationship. And I mean, it's it's like saying teams in the eighties like played like playing four four two. You know, it's kind of every top club wants their team to press. So so it, it's got to work out if that's the strategy United are taking. Otherwise, you have a director of football who has a long term view, and I I don't believe it should be the model that some elite clubs take, which is that director of football and his department picks the players in the squad and the coach is just there to go coach. And, and you just work on a three-year cycle and the coach leaves after three years and, and that's it, you rinse and repeat. I, I don't know whether that's you know, Manchester United or not, really. It'd be a very big departure. But some kind of plan, mm-hmm. which, by the way, also includes how to get rid of players. I mean, 18 have left this summer, only one for a fee, Andreas Pereira. Quite a few of them use players, but you know what, six, six first teamers. So you know, so there's a a lot have gone out. It's almost a million pounds a week in wages that have left, mm. and there are still more to go because it doesn't look like Eric Bailly or Phil Jones will play any part in the squad this season at all. So clearly, they're 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 two that need to leave. You you also think to like Ten Hag's time at Ajax and like. It's not like he had full autonomy over the transfer system there. Or maybe he did, but he was looking at his list that apparently wowed United so much when he came in, into this club was obviously a lot wider than it than it currently is now. Because you think of where he signed Martinez from, where he signed Anthony from, where where he signed these these players from yeah, South America and 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 around Europe that that go to Ajax, they've obviously got a, a an actual scouting system there. Maybe they actually have scouts at Ajax, unlike at Man United. So it's, you're kind of giving all this autonomy to a guy who was in a system before, which actually was working pretty well. And it's also kind of a thing like, I wonder what Ten Hag's thinking about that. Like, why are they giving me so much autonomy here? Like, what is this club? And looking to a savior again. One, yeah, exactly. We do this every time. Exactly. Like, and and you, you're completely correct. When we sacked Ten Hag in 
nine months time fingers crossed it's not like that but you never know when we hire Ruud van Nistelrooy next summer is he going to have the same philosophy as like I would I would not be surprised if we sign Ruud van Nistelrooy next summer just because we're Man United he's got United DNA he had as, an okay as a forward, I mean, we like aging <laughs> forwards. I was, I was thinking he might have. An where's, okay. it, where's he at now? Is He's it, gone to PSV. PSV manager. Yeah, so yeah, one yeah. season at PSV will be enough yeah. for United, probably for our board. I think, but you think just the next manager that comes in, are they going to follow on with the the Tem Hag philosophy? No, like it's almost certain that 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 answer is going to be no. So you're completely correct. All these players that come in and. Maybe Ten Hag sits, stays around for 20 years and he is the saviour, but United are we're really, 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 again, relying on him to be the saviour rather than just creating a proper club structure. Or maybe I'm being really harsh yeah. and saying all that and they're actually building it, but right now they need to get all this the, the foundations in place and it's too early to get the foundations in place, so let's just rely on Ten Hag this summer and then maybe in the next few months then we will back, build a proper club structure yeah, maybe, but very unlikely in my opinion. Doesn't seem like it, does it? I, I mean, th- I think that's some wishful thinking. It's completely fanciful. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe Michael Knighton, if you've seen all this nonsense speculation, will buy the club and solve everything. Do you remember him? You're too young to remember him. Michael Knighton yeah, juggling balls at the Stretford end, thinking he'd bought the club and then magically couldn't come up with the money. I remember that. I was there at that game with him juggling balls. <laughs> Yeah, the guy's an absolute joker, uh, and this one is not happening. Happening, I'm quite. <laughs> I mean, look, I want United to be bought. Let's be clear, and I don't want United to be bought by some Petro state with a dodgy human rights record. I don't think that's the the right trade off. I want a stable owner or ownership structure consortium, or with some kind of fan involvement. Fan, by the way, fan share scheme still not been fully finalised, but it looks like there'll be two blocks of about half a percent of the club released fully voting shares. So it's, it's not going to have any major impact on on the ownership structure. But that's what United needs: stable, stable structure and ownership structure and a sensible football philosophy and 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 management structure. And United will do perfectly well because it's a big club with lots of money. Still, amazingly despite a decade of doing absolutely everything possible to manage the decline disgrace yeah completely it it feels like it feels like unless you tried to make united bad you couldn't do a worse job I, unless you were really trying to to do a bad job you couldn't you couldn't have done a worse job if it it just feels almost almost impossible and i speak to so many people about this like because because i'm a united fan and people want to just laugh at me like my mates just want to point and laugh so i have this this so many discussions about united and almost everyone i speak to like they've not got they've got not like they're not working in football they're just people who are football fans they all know the solution like they all know that we should be getting the the top top people in in these board uh, boardroom level and like sign like having a proper philosophy but seemingly the, the the people who are actually running man united don't know that like like you said earlier it's not rocket science it's really all you need to do is play football manager for like one day and you'd realize oh, okay this is what i need to do like 
it's it's, yeah. so, it's always like so <laughs> I, simple like i know it's just incredible it, like it's genuinely incredible it, 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 I mean, it clearly is not as simple as that. You got to have the right people in place. But, but yes, fully, fully agree. I mean, there is a template uh, for how to how to run a club properly, or at least in the, in the right way. Make mistakes, of course, but United aren't doing that. And and it's notable. And I guess we shouldn't have all been such fools to believe that two insiders coming into the two most prominent positions, Richard Arnold mm-hmm. as the CEO, and John Murta as the director of football, football director, would have any difference, right? Murta's been there for 10 years, came in as a, as a youth administrator and to Moyes and has gradually got more and more power. He's an insider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, he has the Glazer family to thank for his promotions. And unfortunately, I think that's that's telling. There was one one story this week that made me laugh. Avram Glazer was at, at, at the game against Brighton, only the third time in like 10 years that he's appeared at a game. But there was one story saying, yeah, Avram Glazer is now in the UK and this, that should help with doing deals as the time zone difference has caused something of a problem. <laughs> oh, my. I was God. like, what? I mean, United negotiate for three months. It's not a time zone difference. Is it? I mean, <laughs> like, oh my god! What is he? What he's he's on Interstellar, right? In Interstellar, and he's going around a black hole or something like that. That's that's what's happening, right? In United's transfers, because what what takes another club a day takes United three what's months. The, what's the time difference to Florida? Five hours. Five five hours. Yeah. Oh my goodness me! Yeah, because like multinational companies actually don't exist. Like people don't work, yeah, work yeah, in different parts of the world. <laughs> Wow. Anyway, Manchester United folks, every time you think we can't be more of a banter club, we managed to notch it up a level and we've done certainly done that this week. That guy's just just startling. I, I it's, it just leaves me speechless because I just don't <sighs> Nine years ago we won a title. Was it nine years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. We will mark a tenth anniversary of that in May for sure and yeah it's a 10 very long years and and the problem is that if it doesn't work out under ten Hag, it could be another 10 years united have got to move forward because each time each year this gets worse manchester united's financial position degrades in comparison to our prospective rivals you can't even really call them rivals now each year we're out of the champions league that's less revenue it, the club becomes less attractive we already know that Team Viewer are, are cancelling their con- or won't renew their contract for the front of shirt sponsorship. That was a fifteen million pound a year downgrade from the previous sponsor Chevrolet. That might happen again. Adidas contract is up soon for the kit manufacturer. There's no way that's going up since United spent about half that time outside of the Champions League. So it's yeah, has it has to happen now? Mm. Otherwise, this this managed decline may get worse, and we. Yeah, we could be looking at another 10 years without a title. People will be studying Man United's decline to League One in business, manage- <laughs> in business management degrees in 30 years' time. And they'll be like, how could this happen? <laughs> and they'll be studying it in depth. And I'm sure. Like, yeah. And, 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 we are the football equivalent of, in 10 years' time, people going, Coca-Cola? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> so, nah, Man United <laughs> used to be in the Premier League. But seriously, like, it, it, like you think of Newcastle, they're going to be up there very, very shortly. We're going to be yep. 
competing for Europa Conference League soon enough. And like that isn't that isn't even really a joke. That is genuinely a possibility. And if we have a shocking season this year, which I, I don't think we will, but is actually a possibility. We could finish seventh again. Newcastle are going to improve again. We're we're going to be really struggling next summer. We're, when we're having this conversation yeah. next summer, Marco Arnautovic actually might be a good signing. Might turn us down. <laughs> it probably will. Don't yeah. meet his levels of ambition. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's leave it there. Mm-hmm. Thanks, good folks, for listening to this uh, <laughs> nonsense podcast. We don't we don't often dive into transfers here. I mean, it, you've got plenty of platforms to do do this on the daily, but um, couldn't not talk about the absolute car crash. I think as I we were messaging about this, not just a car crash, is it? It's a car crash where there's dismembered bodies scattered across the road, and everyone's pointing and laughing. That's Manchester United. It's literally us. The red instead of blood is just Man United shirts. Spread across Mm. the tarmac. All right, speak to you soon, folks. Bye now.